spread the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney, make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details. Recorded live. Well, there will be. That's messed up, so we won't have any music. That's fine. Hope you folks are doing well tonight. This is our Monday night Bible study on Tuesday night. And um, like I said before the program started, I appreciate the prayers last night at that that head attack happened, and we had to shut her down. So, but we're here tonight, praise the Lord, and and uh, looking forward to what Daniel chapter two has to say. I appreciate each and every one of you very much that are in the chat room. I, I appreciate those prayers. Prayer. One of these days, we're going to find out exactly what prayer has done. We're going to find out about the answered prayer that we didn't think was answered, but the Lord answered it according to his will, and we never had an idea of how much that prayer meant and what it changed in other people's lives. It's going to happen, folks. We've been living by, I say this all the time ad nauseum, and I'll keep saying it till the last program we ever do. We live by faith. The just shall live by faith. And the things we don't see now, and the things that are done in the unseen world, it's going to be a shock one of these days. And it's also going to be a shock when you find out you didn't do what you should have done and trusted the Lord with bringing the results. You're just asked to trust and obey. The Lord, it's in the Lord's hands to deal out whatever he sees fit. That's in prayer and in service and everyday service for him. You need to keep that. Always on the front burner, thinking about that always. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time we have tonight together, Lord. I thank you so much for these people that are in the chat room and the ones that download, Father. I pray that you would answer their prayers in every way, Father, according to your will. And give them nudges, little handfuls of purpose, Lord, along in their life, little bitty things that keeps them going, and I know you already do that, Father. You do it in my life all the time, and I, I'm sure you do it as well in your other sons' lives as well, Father. I pray that you'd be with us tonight, Father. Be with the reader, Brother David, as he reads the word tonight, Father. I pray that you'd fill us with your Holy Spirit, and may we say something, use your words tonight, Father, in the way that you'd see fit, and and send off light bulbs in the listener's spiritual minds, Father. Give them something that we as mortal humans can't give them, that only the Holy Spirit can give. And we'll be careful to give you the honor and the praise for anything and everything you do, for it's in Jesus' name we pray, and for his sake. Amen. Yes, amen. Okay, folks, Daniel chapter 2. Um, we, we almost got started in last night, but we're going to get there tonight. And... um. Daniel chapter 1, I went over the little bit of the historicity dealing with Daniel, how the Lord quotes from Daniel 
makes mention of the book of Daniel three times in the Gospels and how it's the most um, attested to book we have in the Old Testament, really. I mean, when the Lord Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh, uses it three times, you know it's the real deal. There's been so much um, controversy over Daniel in the past because the prophecy is so spot on. Everybody wants to talk about the book of Revelation, which we will be in. Lord willing, this coming Sunday night, we'll be in the book of Revelation. And Daniel is so spot on, it, it, it's just remarkable. It should be a faith builder to anyone, as we're going to see as we go down through here, because the, the history backs it up, every bit of it. And there's a lot of more. There's some deeper things in Daniel as well. Daniel is a type of the Holy Spirit in some places. And he's also a type, the second ruler in the kingdom, a type of the Lord Jesus Christ in some, in some places. We see, the, we see how pride can get you in a world of hurt. We're fixing to find out that shortly as we get to the end of this chapter, into chapter 3, on into chapter 5. There's all kind of lessons we can learn out of the book of Daniel other than just prophecy. And I will try to expound on those points when we run across them. But if, if I'll try my best. The Lord bringing it to my remembrance. But anyway, Brother Dave, if you would, go, let's go ahead and get started here with Daniel okay. chapter 2, verse 1. And in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams wherewith his spirit was troubled, and his sleep break from him. Okay. Here we see that Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams wherein his spirit was troubled. Now we had these. We, when we went through the book of Job, we saw about those dreams. Remember, in chapter thirty-three in the book of Job, I made mention of that um, that near-death experience that was part of a dream in Job chapter thirty-three. And uh, in the New Testament, as well as in the book of Joel, in the book of Acts, Peter quotes from Joel talking about in the latter days, the young men will dream dreams. Well, you know that's fine and dandy about this dreaming business. But there's some folks out there that just take this dream stuff just to absurdity. There's limit there there's limitations and the Lord puts guidelines about these prophetic dream businesses. Okay? If I, I think it's in Isaiah, if a man say he has dreamed a dream, let him speak what his dream said. If it comes to pass, that's wonderful. It's from the Lord. But if it doesn't and my goodness, is there ever millions of those out there that don't come to pass, then it's not of the Lord. And it, it, that's the same way with a false prophet. That's what it is, is false prophecy, period. But as much as I, I'm going to mention this one time, but as much as I like the guy, Steve Quayle, he's got on his website, he's got a um, special place that he's got dreams and visions, an article, and you can go read some of the most outlandish stuff. That they, They'll tell you these dreams, oh, this is prophetical. I've been watching that stuff for about 10 years, and to this day, to this day, I've never seen one of those dreams come true. Never, not ever. I, I, and, and, and nobody ever talks about it. They'll talk about, oh, the dream that came, but it never comes true. So as far as I'm concerned, that's all it is. He ate the wrong kind of food in the afternoon before he went to bed, as far as I'm concerned. 
I have seen people that dream dreams that did come true. Say, what does that mean to that prophet? Not necessarily. I believe it probably lies with each and every child of God for this to take place in their life. I've had experiences myself. I may have mentioned them a few times. I think Brother Dave has mentioned it a couple yes, times. Yes, um, Yes, there, there definitely it can it it can happen. But the majority of it out there is a bunch of hogwash, folks. Don't get suckered into that stuff. And mine had to do with me. <laughs> I wasn't talking about you know directing someone else's life through some dream I had. Right. Well, the dream I've had three that mm-hmm. came to pass, and I've mentioned them before. But every one of them had to do with death, each oh, wow. or, or disaster. Like my, I, I mentioned when I was five years old, my cousin got killed um, coming home from his furlough in Korea. I dreamed that two days before it happened, and I, I also dreamed that my house was going when I was, I was about six years old. Late, and dreamed that the house was going to burn up with smelling smoke in the room, choking. When my mother came in, we were living in Georgia, and my dad got a phone call two hours later that our house in Alabama had burned down. Oh, what? And I also dream. And my sister shared this dream with me. We woke up one morning. Um, my mother had gone out the afternoon before, and we went ahead and went to bed. And both my sister and I dreamed that our mother got killed in a car accident. And about three hours after we woke up and got up from the breakfast table, my uncle came, knocked on the door to tell us that our mother was dead. It got killed in the oh, car. Oh, wow. So those are three dreams. I mean, I don't talk about them much. I just did. Probably be the last time I ever mention them again. Do I think that was specifically from the Lord? Nah, mm-hmm. not necessarily. Not necessarily. But what? Um, why did I dream it? I don't know. I just don't put much stock in any of that stuff. But there's coming a time, there's coming a time when it's going to be Proved over and over again in the future. But that's enough about dreams. Go ahead, Brother Dave. Then the king commanded to call the magicians and the astrologers and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans for to shew the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king. Okay, and the here's the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, all these wise supposed wise man and we're going to see a little bit of uh, nebuchadnezzar's personality kind of stick out in just a second so keep your ears and eyes open to see if you can pick it out you can you can tell a little bit later how he's uh he's had probably the scriptures doesn't say this but you can tell by what he says that he's had some bad um some bad advice from these so-called smart guys in the past. You can tell it by what he says. Go ahead, Brother Dave. And the king said unto them, I have dreamed a dream, and my spirit was troubled to know the dream. Then spake the Chaldeans to the king in Syriac, O king, live forever. Tell thy servants the dream, and we will shew the interpretation. Okay, here in verse 4, this is one of the that's brought a lot of controversy about the book of Daniel from the liberal, quote-unquote, so-called scholars. The book changes from Hebrew to Aramaic in verse 4, and it doesn't pick back up with Hebrew, the language of Hebrew, until Daniel chapter 7. 
But it tells it you can see it or or Aramaic, Syriac, Chaldean, same thing. Okay, but it's written in Aramaic from verse four to chapter seven. I think it's verse twenty six that it changes over. So just wanted to bring that out for you guys in case you run across some critics. And the thing about it is, it, Daniel was smart and he was very learned and knew many languages. And even in the verse, it tells you that it changes if you just pay paid attention close. Right here, he spoke to him in Syriac, so the language changed that it's written in as well. So continue on, Brother Dave. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The thing is gone from me. If you will not make known unto me the dream with the interpretation thereof, ye shall be cut in pieces, and your houses shall be made a dunghill. <laughs> I think that he's had some bad experiences with these guys in the past. He's not a dummy. He's playing his cards close to his vest. Oh, I'll tell you, dream, you'll come up with some wild interpretation. That's probably what he's thinking. It's not something like you've done before, and some of the stuff you said ain't never come to tr- come to pass. I'm just, you know, I'm reading this into the text. It doesn't say that, but it kind of implies that because he's putting a double whammy on these guys. He's making them put up or shut up. Continue on, Brother Dave. Verse 6. But if ye shew the dream and the interpretation thereof, ye shall receive of me gifts and rewards, and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and the interpretation thereof. Yep. Show me the dream and the interpretation. And he offers them all this lavish stuff if they'll do it. But not, they're, they're crawfishing big time. And they're getting nervous because, folks, this is absolute, absolute monarchy, Okay. What the king says is the final word. That's exactly the way it's going to be in the kingdom age. Won't be no constitutional republic, okay? Won't be no demonocracy. No. It's going to be straight from the throne room, from the king of kings and lord of lords. People get this wild idea. Sometimes they forget that that's the way the millennial reign will be. And you want to be part of that rulership. You want to be part of the ones that's that's taking care of business. You don't want to be the ones that's getting the rules and everything laid out to folks. I'm going to get into that a little bit more in just a second, and I'm I'm going to take you on a little trip to increase, it should increase your faith a little bit. I talk about all this stuff, and I make references, then I make references again, and then we'll go to a totally different subject, and I'll go back and make the references to something that seems totally out of whack to what we're talking about. But it's for a reason, and I'm going to do that with this with, when we get down to the to the images. That Nebuchadnezzar. So I'm going to do that and get to give you a little handful of purpose to, to give you some of the promises that what what is entailed here. Number one, this thing that these, these um that Daniel's fixing to do is going to show 
where all good things come from, how they come, and who gets all the glory. All right, that's the way it should be. All right? But anyway, continue on, Brother Day, till we get there. They answered again and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will shew the interpretation of it. The king answered and said, I know of certainty that ye would gain the time, because ye see the thing is gone from me. But if ye will not make known unto me the dream, there is but one decree for you, for ye have prepared lying and corrupt words to speak before me. Till the time be changed, therefore tell me the dream, and I shall know that ye can shew me the interpretation thereof. That verse right there. I ought to tell you that he is sick and tired of what he's heard in the past. Because they wouldn't, see, look, they wouldn't be in the position that they're in if they didn't profess to be able to do this stuff, okay? So undoubtedly, well, let's just say hypothetically in the past, Nebuchadnezzar's had some bad taste in his mouth on these guys. And he is, and this is such a troubling dream, he's wanting the real deal here. And he ain't taking no weird answers that don't make any sense. He's serious as a heart attack. Verse 10, brother. The Chaldeans answered before the king and said, There is not a man upon the earth that can shew the king's matter. Therefore, there is no king, lord, nor ruler that has such things at any magician or astrologer or Chaldean. And it is a rare thing that the king requireth, and there is none other that can shew it before the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Okay. Here in verse 10, he, the, the, the Chaldeans say, Man, this is, hey, there's nobody can do this. Well, why do you profess to be what you are then, magicians and astrologers? You're supposed to be hotsy totsy. Why do you, you, the position you're in, you're supposed to be able to do this stuff. Well, the magicians say, hey, we, we can't do it. There's not a man on earth that can do it. Only the gods which dwell not in flesh. Little g-gods. Continue, brother. Verse 12. For this cause the king was angry and very furious and commanded to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So Nebuchadnezzar said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop this racket. I'm going to wipe them out and start again. But the bad thing about it is Daniel and the other three guys, they're in this bunch too. They're with the wise men. So it's it, the heavy, heavy hangs over all their heads. Verse 13, brother. And the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain. And they sought Daniel and his fellows to be slain. Then Daniel answered with counsel and wisdom to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, which was gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, Why is the, the decree so hasty from the king? Then Arioch made the thing known to Daniel. Then Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him time and that he would shew the king the interpretation. 
So Daniel realizes that uh, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah and himself, they're in a world of hurt if if the king goes through with this thing. So he tells Ariok, hey, give us a chance. Let, let us get get our heads together here and do some praying about this thing. And we're going to get this thing right. Next verse, brother. Then Daniel went to his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions that they would desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning this secret, that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. And that go, does, there's a lesson to be learned in verse 18. That because of, let's bring it up to date, all right? In a wicked country that we live in, it's only the remnant that are keeping it that's keeping the heavy, heavy hangs over your head from falling. At the present time. The Lord will spare the wicked because of the righteous if it's going to affect the righteous as well. In the right under the right circumstances and conditions. It's only because of the remnant that things are as good as some of you have it right now. God's still blessing all the time. Even we talk about it before the program starts, with all the hell going on, with all the racial mess, with the flooding in over overseas of all the, the Islamic, the ragheads going into all the Christian white nations. All that stuff, it's bad, it, and it's going to get worse. But what blessings you do have, those blessings are there because of the remnant that you are. And that's that much more reason to get closer to God, to stay in fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ for that reason and all, to make it where you can live peaceably to the it, for, no matter what the situation. But it's going to get less and less and less. And it's just like the illustration I'm always using about the candlelight about the candles lit, no darkness be all around. When that last candle goes out, darkness rushes in immediately. And the fewer candles, the more darkness. And so what does that tell you about today? It's fewer remnant, less and less and less. As the tide is turned, all the racial junk, all the mixed breeds, all that stuff, and the purity of our race is getting slaughtered. Not only is the purity of our race being disintegrated and the attack, we're the ones being genocided. Not only our people, but true Christianity, Bible-believing Christianity. It all goes hand in hand, folks. You can't separate one without the other. You just can't do it. When we were at the peak, the light was shining everywhere. But we're not at the peak anymore, folks, and it's all headed downhill like a grease ball bearing. Continue on, Brother Dave. Verse 19, Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven, 
Daniel answered. The first thing Daniel does when he gets the vision in a night vision, he blesses God, goes to the source where he got his information from. He blessed the God of heaven. Verse 20, brother. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his, and he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. Okay, verse 21. Now we see insight into the Father is in control of all things. Ultimately, when the last card is played, the Father is the one that's in control. You could take this verse, verse, verse 21, and apply it to Romans chapter 13, where Paul says the powers that be are ordained of God. Okay? There is, and also, I will, I'm, not, I'm not like these guys out there that talk about, oh, no matter what the powers that be say, you're supposed to do. You'll never catch me saying that. Because there's caveat to that. And the caveat's plain in Romans 13 if you read it correctly. You ain't got to change nothing in your, in the Bible. You just got to read it for what it says. As long they're, they're, they're ordained of God to do good, okay, in the New Testament, under the New Covenant. They're ministers of God for righteousness. But if, well, if it's not righteousness... What do you do? Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. There will be some martyrs when we get to Revelation. We're going to run across those verses where it talks about they that live with the sword shall die with the sword. Well, that can go either way. The ones that come at you with a sword, they can die by the same sword. Or they that come at you with a gun, not putting forth righteousness but unrighteousness, they can die by the same by the same weapon. See, that can be looked at both ways. And the pacifist the passive pacifist Christianity that says no matter what, you're supposed to bow down to it. Well, hey, I might be a heretic when it comes to that. I may be wrong, but I just can't I I, I don't see it. Okay? I think you're supposed to stand for righteousness and if it runs over somebody, so be it. I'm not going to bow down to unrighteousness. Not going to do it. Do you understand what I'm saying, Brother Dave? Absolutely. Yes. And and that's one that's that's one of the failures since the 1800s. That's been one of the failures of Bible believing Christianity and the ones that got this started, the ones that 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 started teaching and preach and lay down to anything no matter what. I, I know where they get what they get, folks. I come out of that, okay? I know where they get what they get. But it started being promulgated with dispensationalism, with hyper-dispensationalism. That's where it got started at. None of the, before the, before the War of Northern Aggression and the earlier, or during the early part of the church here in the United States of America and North America, there none of the preachers, none of the Bible-believing preachers taught that mess. 
that you're supposed to put up with unrighteousness and lies and all that stuff. They didn't say that's the reason for the American Revolution. Because of the Bible-believing preachers that stood up for it. That's the reason we got what we got. No king but King Jesus. Now, I'm not saying they had all their theology right. Because they didn't. And that you know that now, but you didn't know it at the time. And God required of them their knowledge they had at the time. Because everything, contrary to what some folks out there teach, everything has not been revealed yet. And I've ad nauseum again, so many, many times, taken you and shown you where Paul implied it, and so did Peter. You deal with the knowledge and, and wisdom that you have at the time that the Lord has shown you, that, and the Lord keeps revealing and will continue to reveal till he sits on the throne and rules with a rod of iron. Until you get the completed mind of Christ, then you'll have the full skivvy. Then you'll, have, then you'll know all things. That's the second part. That's, that's the fulfillment of that completed mind of Christ and the new body. All of it fits hand in hand. It all fits with doctrine and scripture, the whole overview of the whole thing. Go back to the coloring book again. Next verse, brother. Verse 22. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth okay. with him. Amen. Amen. So this is old, under the Old Covenant, Old Testament. Turn to Hebrews chapter 4, brother, while I'm talking. Okay? Certainly. And every even when the apostles, the evangelical apostles were going out preaching the word. All they had was the Old Testament. All they had was the Old Testament. The only one that wrote with a completed canon that had all the writings and everything was John. Paul didn't have all the writings, therefore he said what he did in Philippians chapter 3 about if there be anything else, the Lord will reveal this unto you later. That's paraphrase. That's not exact quote. And then Peter told the ones that he wrote to in Second Peter chapter one verse twelve that they should be established in the present truth. All right. But now, in two thousand and sixteen, well, and when the King James Bible was completed. In 1611, we had the completed canon put together. So since everybody had that, from that moment forward, did the Lord bless it? All you got to do is look at history. So now that we have that completed canon, where can we find these secret things? We know who the teacher is according to the Lord himself, the Holy Ghost. Where do we find these things? Verse 12, Brother David. Verse 12, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. There you go. That's where you're going to find it. 
because the Word of God knows all about you and knows all about me and tells it. And that's one reason people just don't like to read it. It will cut deep into your thoughts, your imagination. If you spend time with it, it will work on you and work in you. But most people want to work on their self and do as they will. They don't want a book with black letters on white paper dictating to them. No, no, no. Therefore, even the one, a lot of people that will say they do will stay away from the book because it cuts so deep. It will judge each and every one of us eventually, folks. Every excuse that we have at the judgment seat of Christ, I imagine the Lord will just flip over the chapter and verse and say, well, what about this, see? Because you know um, heaven and earth will pass away, but his words will not pass away. You know, it does say every word of God is pure. Okay? The words that I speak to you, they are spirit. They are life. That's where we get truth. The, all the truth that you need. What is truth? Paul said, thy word is truth. For the words of the Lord are pure words. Tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou will preserve them, O Lord. Thou will keep them, O Lord. Thou will preserve them forever. Pretty important book. Pretty important book. Next verse, brother. Daniel. I thank thee and praise thee, O thou God of my fathers, who hast given me wisdom and might and hast made known unto me now what we desired of thee, for thou hast now made known unto us the king's matter. Okay. So, in a dream and vision, without a completed canon, the Lord gave Daniel his answer in this vision, dream vision. And now Daniel is fixing to do what all the ones that used their natural abilities were unable to do. Because that's all they were relying on is their natural abilities and their little scams and their little astrology and chart reading and their magic and whatever. Verse 24, brother. Therefore Daniel went in unto Arioch, whom the king had ordained to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus unto him, Destroy not the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will shew unto the king the interpretation. So Daniel, don't want, he don't want the wise men destroyed. You think that they're, uh, they're going to be grateful for what Daniel did? <laughs> don't hold your breath. We'll find that out later. But Daniel, because of Daniel, they were spared. Continue on, brother. Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste, and said thus unto him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah that will make known unto the king the interpretation. Oh, how slick. Oh, Arioch, that well, <clears throat> king, I have found. 
it seems like to me Daniel's the one that went to him. <laughs> but he goes in there, I need to get, man, get a raise in pay. I, I, I found somebody from the captives of Judah that can make known unto the king the interpretation. That old eye. Tough, isn't it, folks? We all have to battle that, don't we? That pride. Kingpin sin. I will ascend above the Most High. I will set my throne above the stars of God. I don't believe that translation's right. I don't like to do that. I believe he's, it's I, 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 I. You can just apply that to all kind of stuff. Continue, brother. The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar. Okay, when this this name that he gave Daniel's Belteshazzar. So don't get it confused later on with Belshazzar, uh, Belshazzar, because there's a T in this one. There's not in the other one. One's Belshazzar, one's Belteshazzar. Just remember Belt, and you got you got Daniel. Remember Belt when it when you see the hear the belt in the word, you'll know it's talking about Daniel. And if you don't hear the belt, you'll know it's he's talking about the other guy when we get to it. Continue on, brother. Art thou able to make known unto me the dream which I have seen and the interpretation thereof? Daniel answered in the presence of the king. And now Daniel said, Daniel says, Yeah, man, I went and fasted four days and Mm, man, it was rough too, and and I can do it. Yeah, I think I can do it. I, nope, that's not what Daniel said. Let this be a lesson in everything that you do, folks. In every, just like Paul says in First Thessalonians five, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Every good and perfect gift coming down from the Father lights. Okay, everything that's good in you. If there be anything good in me or you or any of us, it is from the Lord. What's right about us has been given us of the Spirit of God. Every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father. We are in a society that wants to talk about nothing but self-indulgence, do as thou wilt, the doctrine of Satanism, and it, is, it has flowed, that secular humanism was the start, and it has flowed into every aspect of our countries, our people, and our spirituality. And it keeps getting worse and worse and worse. See, instead of going to check out and see what the Lord's idea of what you should do in certain matters, we just think, well, we'll do what's best for us. We'll not not approaching the Lord to get the answer, see. He'd say, well, I don't believe in none of that. The Lord's speaking to you. Folks, you've got the book. He's speaking to you when you open the book. The answers are in the book. If you're too lazy to look up, don't blame me. 
Don't blame the Lord if you're too lazy to look for the answers. The answers are in the book for all manners of faith and practice. That's the difference between Bible-believing Christianity and the so-called other mess out there. They change everything to where it lines up with what they want. Instead of taking the book and searching the scriptures, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little, to come about the answers. Some places it's a one-liner. Other places it's not. Every question you could have about life, normal life, and ideas, and what the Lord wants for you, it's in the book, folks. And if the Spirit of God dwells in you, and you apply yourself, He will give you the answers, or bring somebody across your path, and show you that that person's telling the truth, because it lines up with the book. That's the reason for a fire, an absolute authority, folks, I have said this 50 billion times. I'm exaggerating. Of course I hadn't did. But you know what I mean. Unless you've got an absolute yardstick, a ruler, an absolute authority to go by, then your opinion is just as good as Obama's opinion, whose opinion is just as good as Brother David's opinion, whose opinion is just as good as Brother Chad, Brother Tony, Brother Kevin, Brother Brian, Brother P, anybody's opinion. You have to have an absolute authority to line up, to judge yourself by, to say, well, that, that's not a foot. That Because I got a foot here, a royal foot from the Lord that says, nope, it's got to be 12 inches. I don't care if 500,000 say it's 12 and a quarter. I don't care if it's a million that says it's 13 and a half. Because I have my standard to go by. And the ones of you, if there's some of you that don't, run alone, child. Don't get hit in the traffic. Because your opinion is no better than Obama's opinion. Because you're going about what you think and not what God says. It's just that simple. Continue, brother. Verse 27, Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king hath demanded, cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers, shew unto the king? But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. Ah, the latter days, and as we go on down through here, you're going to see when Daniel interprets the dream that he spends four verses dealing with the latter days, the, the time we're in today, and just in passing mentions the other times. He spends more time dealing with the latter days. Now, from Daniel and his point of view at that specific time, everything that happens that happened in the future was latter time, latter days, but it get, gets down to the nitty-gritty of where the time, the so-called quote-unquote time of the Gentiles, and all, and you want me just to break it down of what that means, all right? 
It's the time of the Adamite race's control, all right? That's all it is. How do you know that this is talking about Adamites? Number one, the book is the genealogies and written to Adam. The next thing you know is there's never been a black world, I'm talking about jungle bunny world rulers with a jungle bunny nation ruling over the world. There's never been a chink nation that's run the world. All right. The proof is in the pudding. We've been in control of everything as a people. This book is written to Adamic people. And everything that comes in as a side note, that's all it is, is a side note. Every one of these kingdoms is an Adamic kingdom that we're fixing to get into. Every one of them. The Medo-Persians, the Babylonians, and the Greeks. Now, they're not going to tell you that. And they try to make you think, they try to make you look in the contemporary, through the contemporary glasses, see? That's why, that, that's why all the right, the, the, the breaking down and the, the breaking down of the divisions the Lord made with all the nations. You break those boundaries down and then you fill in, you fill it in with every Tom, Dick, and Harry and every slant eye and every color in the world. Then you've got an amalgamated mess. And when somebody goes to read the word, like has happened amongst true Christianity, true Bible-believing Christianity, they look through contemporary glasses when it comes to a historical matter. The historical fact was the Medo-Persians, the Babylonians, and the Greeks were all white. You want me to say it? They were all white. They weren't black. They weren't mixed. This and the Egyptians. Absolutely. Originally. Originally, yes. brother. But mm-hmm. in Egypt, even Egypt, they they were more um they were more centralized. They didn't branch out like Greece and Babylon Babylon and Persia did. So I'm thinking that even the Egyptians, even though they were originally Adamic, that they even got they got mixed up because they didn't branch out. Their kingdoms didn't branch out like Babylon, Greece, and Persia. If you ever stop thinking about that, Brother Dave, the Lord has them central. In other words, they're more they're kept close to home where it wasn't that way with Rome yes. and Greece and and um, made of Persia. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, they just uh, conquered like Canaan land and uh, North Africa. And that's that's, that's about the point it. I'm trying to make. So there was yes. a reason, and I think the reason had to do with what we're talking about with the mixing. I think that may be the reason. But anyway. Well, neither here nor there, but the truth of the matter, folks, Rome, Greece, and Persia were all our race of people. They were Adamic, okay? Check out Herodotus. There there was not a a bunch of amalgamation going on for thousands of years. I mean, there was a little bit of it here and a little bit of it there, but it was always looked down on. This is not this is biblical fact. This is absolute fact and historical fact. Everybody wants to look through the contemporary glass sunglasses. I say everybody, not you guys. 
But that's what the churches out here is doing. They're trying, they're trying to go along to get along, and it's destruction, destroying our culture and destroying our people. Every white, original white Christian nation is under attack. The only one that's not, to a great degree, and I've got questions about this, and, I, and it's my fault. I haven't done a whole lot of studying on it. I just don't know about Russia, okay? I'm just not sure about the roots of Russia. I know I've heard all the explanations, folks, okay? I'm just, I just, I don't know. I'm not sure about it. I know this past week, I was, I, I love the Russian national anthem, okay? I, I, I think it's one of the greatest that's out there, all right? And I was watching some of the, um, I forget the name of the, parade or the festival they had and there wasn't one single coloration it was nothing but white folks and i thought my what's going on here lord what's going on here i don't know nobody's got the answers i know some that claim to have the answers but i do know this they have kept the boundaries up to a certain to a, to a great degree and the majority of their people are white and you can tell it in the way they act, the way they look, the way they dress, their attitudes. Except for the the Jewish congregation that's over there, they've they've got that bunch over there. Well, are, they uh, they also have like Mongoloids and Tatars and things like that, uh, Turkish people, and there are people who are mixed with that. But you wouldn't really know it unless you got to see them up close in context. From a distance, they definitely look white. But if you get up close to them and talk to them, you can say, hey, it looks like there's a little mongoloid in you. Yeah, but as a general rule, as a general rule, their majority of their population is white, brother. Yes, absolutely. That's, that's and the point uh, I'm Jewish, trying to make. Which is um, J-Path, which is white. Right. Absolutely. I, that's the point I'm trying to make. Every, yes. Everyone, even, even at our heyday, even at North America's heyday, there was still, you know... <laughs> the blue gum here and the chink here. It, it, there's always been that the proselyte type situation going on. Mm-hmm. But I'm talking about you've got a plain commandment from the Lord to keep the boundaries up of the nation. Absolutely. Period. That, that, that's now no, that's from the no Lord. Question. That's that's not from me. That's from the Lord. Yes. So if you want to obey the Lord, then you keep them up. If you don't, you let them down. And there's nobody obeying the Lord today. Because all the boundaries are down. And what does that mean for us? It means we're, the, the, the genocidal axe is put over our neck. That's what it means. Yes, and, and we're going back to the Tower of Babel. Right. With straight the one world it. everything. Amen, One world brother. race, one world government and religion. Absolutely. That's where it's headed, folks. We're gonna, I'm going to make mention of that as we get on down here. And he starts uh, describing this image. Okay. Because it started with Babel or Babylon, and guess what? That's where it winds up in Revelation 17 and 18. It's a different one, though. It's a different kind. It's got influx. It's different. We'll get to it when we get to Revelation, and I'll make some more mention of it later on here. But this start, as, you're, as we're going to get in here, it starts out with a strong, the strongest, this Babylonian kingdom under Nebuchadnezzar was the most was the greatest of all these kingdoms. 
with each and every one that comes after Babylon, there's degeneration in every single one of them. Even the metals that it just, that's going to be used to describe in their 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 um their value, it starts out with the most expensive and it goes down that the least expensive. That's why you can tell the degeneration of civilization is from Daniel two, if you paid attention to what's going on. It's the old second law of thermodynamics, folks. You can't beat it with a stick. That's the way this enclosed plane we live on. That's what the Lord set in motion. And that's one of his laws that he's incorporated. And I've told you many, many times the only exception to that is the new birth. So go ahead, Brother Dave. Continue on. The secret which the king hath demanded... Cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers, shew unto the king? But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. Thy dream and the visions of thy head upon thy bed are these. As for thee, O king, thy thoughts came into thy mind upon thy bed. What verse are you in, brother? I got lost. Uh, verse 29. Verse 29? Yes. Okay, I got it. Go ahead. What should come to pass hereafter? And he that revealeth secrets maketh known to thee what shall come to pass. But as for me, this secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have more than any living but for their sakes that shall make known the interpretation to the king, and that thou mightest know the thoughts of thy heart. Thou, O king, sawst, and behold, a great image. This great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. This image's head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet of iron and part of clay. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and brake them to pieces. Okay, it's important that you record, put a mental note that the stone struck the feet. And you know the toes are connected to the feet. Don't lose sight of that, folks. That's important. Okay? Continue on, brother. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Had this one, this one vision right here in Daniel chapter 2 lays out the way we understand things in Scripture, some of the prophetical, some of the other verses and other chapters in the Word of God. It lays out like this great mountain. What's the mountain representative of? These metals, what are they representative of? This, is, this sets a, um, a template. For the rest of the Word of God, folks, in many in many areas, to, when you're looking at prophecy, you have to pay attention to what was said here in Daniel chapter two. 
Daniel chapter 7 is going to redo this, go through it again, but it's going to where he uses metals, different metals. In Daniel chapter 7, he's going to use beasts to get his thoughts across. Remember I told you the first six chapters are, histor- are historical, and the last six chapters of Daniel are prophetical. Don't forget that division as well. Continue on, Brother Dave. Verse 36. This is the dream, and we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. Thou, O king, art a king of kings, for the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. Okay, he's a king of kings. Do you know about what it says in Revelation about the Lord Jesus Christ when he comes back? He's a king of kings and lord of lords. And he comes back to destroy, wipe up everything, that mystery Babylon. Yeah, you can't beat it with a stick, folks. Verse 38, brother. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heaven hath he given into thine hand, and hath made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of gold. Yeah, Nebuchadnezzar made him ruler. He made him ruler, ruler over all things. Stereotypical of the Lord Jesus Christ. When he's coming back, he'll be ruler over this whole plain, okay? With a rod of iron. Absolute monarchy, okay? Like I said, it won't be none of the, what you're... <laughs> you better... You want to be on the rulership side, folks. And you, the offer has been presented. That's part of the inheritance and rewards. You should make you more cognitive of what's going on on a day-to-day basis. If you're part of that. Turn to 1 Corinthians 6 while I'm talking, brother. Uh, 6? 1 Corinthians 6? 6, yeah. Mm-hmm. You say, what are you talking about? How in the world are you tying this in? with inheritance and rewards. Well, I'm fixing to show you. I do it all the time, but some of you haven't listened to all the programs and don't know how to tie it together. It's just abstract to you, like something's out of context or something. But it's back to the old coloring book. It's about a king, his kingdom, and who he rules over. That's the whole word of God. The king is queen. Every king has queen. The king and his queen and his subjects thereof over a kingdom. That's the theme of the Word of God. From Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, when you want to find the theme about what the book's about, that's what it's about. And if what you're teaching don't line up with that, then what you're teaching is wrong. If you're sitting around talking about God got the all to time, 24-7, seven days a week, 365, you're, 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 cat, you're cattywampus. You're, you're, not te- you're not teaching the book right. Or if you're talking about your race all the time, you're cattywampus. You're not teaching the book right. Or if you're just talking about the Jew all the time, you're out of kelter. You're not teaching the book. That's the way heresy gets started is finding a couple of verses here and a couple of verses there and parking on that day in and day out till your mind, you get circular reasoning. 
folks. So what is Brother Don talking about? First Corinthians six got to do with this this end time kingdom. See what Paul tells the Corinthian saints, brother. Read verses one through three. First Corinthians six, verse one through three. Dare any of you Having a matter against another, go to law before the unjust and not before the saints. Okay, Paul's making a, a, he's telling you right there. Hey, guys, you special. You want to go out here and, and, and flaunt your laundry to the world? You're supposed to be able to do this yourself. Why are you supposed to be able to judge among yourselves? Continue, brother. Do ye not know that the saints shall judge the world? Bingo. The saints, that's you and me, shall judge the world. Well, over if it's just going to be saints, then is the saints going to judge saints? <laughs> you see what I mean? Why don't you think about stuff when you read it? How important are you saints? Continue on, Brother David. And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? Bingo. Again. You're going to judge angels. after. See, you are judged at the judgment seat of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. The whole world is judged in Revelation 21 at the great white throne where you sit in judgment over them. How could you, for, for the heretics out there that do not understand the different judgments, how in the world can you sit and judge the world and judge angels if you're being judged yourself? You've done been judged. You've done been, your sin was judged at Calvary. Your rewards and inheritance are taken care of at the judgment seat of Christ, which makes you able to be able to sit in judgment over the rest of the world and over angels. So how do you know this? Because that's what the Word of God says. Turn back to Daniel chapter 7, brother. Folks, this is what you ought to get excited. This is the kind of stuff you ought to get excited about. This should give you fuel to take the right steps tomorrow, knowing these great and precious promises you have. Which verse did you say? Verse 27 in Daniel 7. Watch okay. this. this. Daniel 7 is a mirror image of Daniel 2. It goes through the whole shooting match, this so-called time of the Gentiles, Till it ends, and it's ended in 26 and 27. Now, the Lord, Daniel, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, being told by the angels what to write down, this is what he says. Watch it. Go ahead, brother, read it. Daniel 7, verse close. Verse 27, and the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. Read it again. 
and the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints. Stop, stop. Given to the people of the saints of the Most High. Don't you folks see the division? You've got the saints, and then there's people of the saints. That's the saint. Know ye not the saints shall judge the world? There's going to be people that are not saints that you're going to be judging over, that you're going to be ruling over. This stuff is this is this is as plain as John three sixteen, folks. I can't help if you hadn't been taught it, but that's what the Word of God says. You've got to you're going to be oh we're going to be over ten cities. Some's going to be over five cities. Or are you going to be over an empty city? Who's going to be in the cities? What's going to be in the cities? A bunch of dogs and cats? Or is it going to be people? Well, here it says it's people. People, you can't divorce yourself from the facts. I don't care how much you, you lying false teachers and false prophets out there want to stay away from this stuff. And teach your heresy. We're not going to do that here. We're not going to do it here. You can't get away from it. For you to be over cities and rulers over this, that, and the other, and you have to have somebody to rule over. And you ain't going to be ruling over the saints. You're not going to be judging the saints. The saints are judged by their king, and their king is Jesus Christ. That's why it's called the judgment seat of Christ. So, contrary to what some of the uninformed brethren teach out there, what I'm teaching you is a solid as solid as anything you could possibly want to teach out of the book. If you think it's not, then you tell me who you're supposed to. Who do you think the world is that you're judging? Who do you think it is? Who do you think these people are of the saints? I thought you were a saint. Are you or are you not? Paul says you are. You fit your, you conform, your doctrine has to conform to what the book says. You can't make the book conform to what you want it to say. Back to Daniel, brother. Okay. Verse 39. And after thee, and after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee, and another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. See, they're the inferior. It starts out with the most precious and the greatest. The Babylonian kingdom under Nebuchadnezzar was the greatest of all them kingdoms in the past. Then every one that comes after is inferior. Inferior. Each one of them. Not only is the metal inferior and more not as precious as the one above, 
but the kingdom itself to the people. Everything degenerates, folks. It's that old second law. Everything degenerates till you get to the feet and the toes, and then it's in a world of hurt. Continue, brother. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, and as iron that breaketh all these, shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes, part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, but there shall be in it of the strength of the iron, for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay. And what do you do with this? What do you do with this? Continue, brother. And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. wonder which one he's talking about, which was broken and was strong. Verse 43, brother. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men. Stop right there. Who is they? They who? Who is they? It's the ten toes. What are the ten toes? Ten kingdoms. With kings. Ten kings. We find out in Revelation. We'll find it out in Daniel 7. What do you mean mixed with the seed of men? That is sperma, folks. Check it out. What could he be talking about here? We went over this ad nauseum. As the Lord says in Matthew 24 and Mark 13 and Luke chapter 17, as it was in the days of Noah. So all you've got to do to find the answer is go back and look at the past in the days of Noah and see what was going on there, and you realize that there was something that mixed itself with the seed of men. And what was that? That was the angelic fallen angels that mixed themselves with the seed of men. And as it started out in the days of Noah, it's coming full circle, and it's not only is it going to happen again, but I am under the impression and under the personal persuasion that it is happening as we speak and has been for a while. There, we could go off and, and start talking about totally, you know, all kind of stuff from this one verse. I've been back here so many times. But it leads off in many different directions. Just for, just, see, just for, just for enticing or enticing reasons. Do you really? Do you really think that it's we're getting we're so much smarter today than we were 150 years ago? You really think that if we just we evolved and our brains are getting our 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 brains are getting more uh, tuned? We've got all this wonderful that what the, our gen, genetics are changing, and we're getting smarter because evolution says that we are. See, you buy in to we've gotten smarter, then you're buying in to the evolutionary template. You buy in to the degeneracy, 
And from Adam being the perfect to the condition we're in today, being the degenerate, you buy into that, you're buying into the biblical template. The choice is your. There is no exceptions. You're either right or you're wrong. You can be right or wrong. No maybes to it if you use the book or the template. Started out perfect, winds up a mess. We started out with everything in our genome kicked into high gear to what we've got today, and it's been degenerated. It's just been degenerated, and time keeps on going, and the Lord tears, it will continue to degenerate. <clears throat> it's that old so-called timeline of history, folks, that I'm always talking about. It's the rising and falling of nations. It those little circles on that timeline. That those little circles, these these kingdoms, like Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, that's a big circle. The next kingdom's a little circle. But it rose that little circle rose to its height, but it didn't get as high as the gold kingdom. Then the next circle almost rises to the one above it, but then it goes down as well. The final kingdom, it goes up a little bit, but it doesn't reach the peak of the Roman civilization. It doesn't reach its height. It stops short. And then it falls as well. And that's the very end of the book. And that's exactly what Revelation is about. Is the culmination of all these little circles. Which are in a bigger circle. Which is the word of God. And the bigger circle. In Revelation 22 eventually starts right where it right, goes right back and kicks off again and what Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 says and what the Lord told Adam and Eve to start with, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth, it's going to start all over again, folks. It's just one big circle and a bunch of little bitty circles on the inside. That's what this whole timeline of history has been over the last 6,000 years. And the word of God from Genesis to Revelation, all it does is say amen to what I've just told you. And there ain't no exception. You, you're cloud, your mind's clouded and you don't know the book if you think any different. And the ones that think it's all linear and we're getting better and we're, gonna, we're just going to be better in the end, that's BS. That's not, that's not Bible exposition. That's an opinion on pride. If it wasn't so, you wouldn't get a new body. He could just give you back the body you originally had, but no, he gives you a better body. He gives you a body like Jesus Christ. See, the whole thing fits together like a glove, folks. We'll stop here at verse 44. Is there any questions in the chat room? No, sir. Was that pretty clear, Brother David? Yes, it was. Very good. Folks, the stuff I just told you, it, it turn to First Peter while I'm talking, brother. Okay. First Peter chapter 3 while I'm talking. Okay. Stuff that I threw in this little bit extra, okay? You, because this is the stuff that ought to keep you going, knowing the way it's going to end. You know the end of the book, folks. You know that the bride is standing by the king. 
in Genesis and in, in Revelation 22. The bride is there with the king holding out the hand saying, Whosoever will. You're not a whosoever will. You elect of God. You're the queen. See, I could parse this in bit theological terms and oh, this all this, you know, superlapsarianism and all that junk. But just put it down where anybody can get it. You ought to be happy. The elect of God ought to be shouting. And this stuff that's coming, nope, that's what Paul was trying to do to the Corinthian church. He was trying to get them, hey, guys, no, you're not. You're going to judge the world. You're going to judge angels. Come on, man. And here you going out, giving giving yourself over to the world and, and bowing down to it. In 2 Corinthians 6, he says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing. But this, this little stuff like this right here, this is First Peter three fifteen, brother. Read it and watch what Peter said. But sanctify the Lord in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Amen. A reason for the hope. What is your hope? You're supposed to give a reason for it. This is one of the reasons, folks. This is one of the reasons. You've got something to look forward to. First Corinthians 15, see? Last six or seven verses. You've got something to look forward to. First Thessalonians chapter 5. I mean Second Thessalonians chapter 3. And First Thessalonians chapter 4. you got something to look forward to. See, you believe you got a perfect book. You believe you got God's words. You believe if you can trust him with your soul, can you not trust him with him telling you the right stuff in his book? Or do you want to set in judgment on it too? See, you want to set in judgment on everybody and everything else. You let the book judge you, and you line up yourself with the book, you'll be in good shape. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time we've had tonight, Father. I pray that this rumbling, bumbling around, Father, that I've said, but you'd take your words that's been read tonight, and may the Holy Spirit teach the ones in the audience what you'd have them to get out of this, Father. And I pray that you'd go with them the rest of the week, Father, and uh, watch over them as they go to work and come home as they sleep at night, take care of their kids, Father, take care of their financial problems and troubles, Lord, and help them keep in mind, Father, that though the troubles may be strong today and these sufferings of this present time are just for a moment, but they worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight and glory. Help them to remember that, Father. Yes. And meet back with us Friday night, Father, as we pick up this precious word again. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Contact information for Don Spears Ministry. Telephone number 334 397 
1-800-273-8833. A new email address is, all lowercase, respect to the Lord at yahoo.com. Mailing address is 3155 Louisville, that's Louisville Street, L-O-U-I-S-E-V-I-L-L-E, Louisville Street, Apartment D-1, Clio, Alabama, 36017, 36017. Thanks for listening, everyone. Amen. Good job, Brother David. Brother Kevin, appreciate it very much. And folks, Lord willing, we'll be back Friday night, I think. I haven't made up my mind, but brother, I was, I was going to say something to you, brother Dave. Um, if you're since we're going to pick up the book of Revelation, you want to read Daniel and let me get brother Chad to read Revelation, where he give you some time to just sit back and listen and give him the same amount. Why you want to do that? I can do that. Sure, if Chad wants to, if he's uh, available, I can yeah. do that and take a break. Sure. Okay. I don't That's, mind. Okay. Well, we may do that. Um, Friday night, we'll pick back up here with Daniel and finish out Daniel chapter 2. But Sunday night, we may start the book of Revelation. I won't I won't, I won't know specifically until Friday night. I'll let you all know then. But, Brother Chad, you can give me a call and we can talk about that. That'll give each one, because these books are, are both so important, it'll give each one of y'all a chance to sit back and take in what's being taught instead of me ranting and raving on top of you. <laughs> But anyway, if there's no questions, we will go ahead and close for tonight. No questions. No questions. Okay. Brother Dave, we'll talk to you later, brother. Amen. Certainly well. Good night, Pastor Don. Good night, brother. Good night, everyone. Thank you.